welcome to the Formula Review. Today, we'll be talking about the 2022 film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now sit back, relax, grab your drinks, let's talk about this film. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to the Formula Review. This is Season 5, Episode 5, and I thank you all for tuning in once again. Now, I'm back at it because of a short break due to my honeymoon, and that's why I saw this film so late in comparison to the many others online. So this episode will be an analysis on the newest film in the MCU and where it stands in this series overall ranking, so stay tuned. Now, before I get into anything, this episode will have a spoiler section, and I'll notify you when I get there. And I only say that because there's a lot to dissect in this film, but I will give the short analysis of the film, and then I'll go into the spoiler aspects of it. But as I, I will, up to that point though, I will try to keep everything relatively vague so not to ruin the film for you. However, as I always say, go see the film first before having to see here, everything that I have to say about it, then come back and listen, especially for that spoiler section. But if you don't care about that, just just keep listening. Also, I know I talk about this at the end, but the data shows that most people don't listen to that part, so I want to talk about it here and reiterate the importance of leaving reviews on your favorite subscription services. I do read those because I do want to grow because these episodes are really for all you listeners out there, and I want to keep this entertaining. So, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear games? Do you want to hear more of the 4K stuff? Do you want to hear me talk about a certain movie? If you want to come on and talk to me about something, for you want to debate, I'm always open to do stuff like that so you can always reach out to me on social media i always want to grow and improve and just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved so if there's something that you want me to improve on let me know and i will grow as such anyways so let's get back to the film at hand now sit back relax grab your drinks and let's analyze this film Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a, is a superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character Doctor Strange. It is the sequel to 2016's Doctor Strange and also is the 28th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, also known as the MCU. It was directed by Sam Raimi and written by Michael Waldron, and it stars Benedict Cumberbatch returning as Stephen Strange alongside Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Zosio Gomez, Michael Strulbarg, and Rachel McAdams. In this film, Strange basically protects America Chavez, played by Gomez, who is this teenager who is capable of traveling the multiverse from someone who wants to take her power for their own. Now, in short, this film has a lot of great things. There's a lot to unpack, which I'll mostly do in the spoiler section, but the film is absolutely highlighted through Raimi's direction. He takes the film in a way that the MCU has not really done before. He adds in a lot of horror aspects that not only take from his experience with the genre, but also many others, such as the extra the performances from the main cast were also great. Cumberbatch is fairly effortless as all of the strangers throughout the multiverse and, and does very well to differentiate them. He is going to be this phase's so-called Iron Man or Captain America, and so this film is a good start to that. Gomez as Chavez is a good addition to the franchise, and she does fairly well even when she's surrounded by all these accomplished actors. However, her comic book accurate first name does sound funny to hear when said multiple times in a few sentences. However, the absolute standout in this film is Olsen as, as Wanda or Scarlet Witch, and frankly, she is a scene stealer. She steps up her game from WandaVision and really 
really portrays his trauma so sympathetically that her arc is the best one of the film. If one watches this film for her alone, they won't be disappointed. However, that is also somewhat the biggest flaw with this film because it feels more of a story for Wanda and not Strange. He does have a small arc in the film, but it feels secondary to hers. The film has Strange dealing with his choice in Infinity War to give Thanos the Time Stone and thinking about his own happiness. In this way, the film is attempting to align his choice with Wanda's journey of how far is too far to get what you want. While not badly executed, it needed more time to develop that arc. This film also has Chavez trying to balance her fear and guilt while also figuring out her powers. Now, the writing does bring these th ideas and thoughts to the surface, but that's really it. If there was one or two more scenes to go into each of these ideas, it would have been a lot better. That would have given obviously a lot more length to the film, however, it definitely would have executed those arcs just a little bit better. Wanda's story is strong, but the hero of this film is Doctor Strange. With her story being that powerful, it weakens his own personal evolution and arc a little bit. And there's also somewhat pointless characters in the story such as Mordo, and then Raimi did give a lot of screen time to easter egg characters that really have no point in this story. There's also a few MacGuffins in the story that aren't really given that much explanation. 40X wise, it was a lot of fun. Now 40X can be really great for the right movie and it can make the experience feel more like a theme park ride. Especially with the MCU, this aspect is a lot more along the lines of Martin Scorsese's theme park analogy to film. However, honestly, it does a lot with that. But the quality and quantity of the 40X effects can vary by movie. And the implication of it can be an art in and itself. If it is implemented well, it can make the film feel 10 times more immersive. If it's implemented poorly, it can make it feel like a gimmick. Now, this movie had a lot of great things and it was a lot of fun as there were a lot of aesthetics that went with the film. There were really some cool water and wind effects that really show how 40X works. However, what was really horrible was the 3D effect on the film. Now, if anyone thought that the CGI was bad in this film, in the normal version of the film, the 3D makes it look absolutely worse. Most films that are done in 3D are not done using 3D cameras. It's more of a drag and drop effect done in post. And as such, it makes it look like a pop-up book. The only time in the film that it added anything was when they hopped through different universes. Otherwise, it looked horrible as it was not filmed with a 3D camera. However, we'll say that Digital Intermediate had a 4K resolution, so the film should look good when it comes to anyone with a home theater setup. Now, this film obviously deals with the concepts of variance and the multiverse, but there's no, no way to criticize or really discuss that without going into spoilers. In short, again, I like this film a lot, so go see it, then come back and listen to the spoiler section of this episode and see where it falls in the rating of it in the MCU. So that's the spoiler-free section. Now, you have been warned, going forward past this moment is going to be spoilers. In three, two, one. So this film obviously has a lot of moving pieces. It has to deal with everything that the MCU set up in the prior films and TV shows, and on top of that, continue the ideas of the multiverse, which is complex in and in itself. Now, for those who don't know, the idea of the multiverse is a real scientific idea, in that there is this hypothetical group of multiple universes. Together, these universes compromise everything that exists. Space, time, matter, energy, information, and the physical laws and constant that describe them. They're also known as parallel 
parallel universes, other universes, altered universes, or many worlds. And this has been hypothesized in cosmology, physics, astronomy, religion, philosophy, psychology, music, through all kinds of literature, especially in science fiction, and obviously comic books. And these ideas have been going around since ancient Greece, where atomists proposed that the infinite parallel worlds arose from the collision of atoms. Now today, the scientific community has debated whether any other universes exist outside of our own. Some say it's not a legitimate topic because this idea would, in essence, corrupt the processes of experimental verification and thus hurt the world's view on science and ultimately damage the fundamental study of physics in itself. Some argue that it's more philosophical than scientific because it cannot be empirically falsified. Now, one scientist, Paul Steinhardt, argues that no experiment can rule out a theory if the theory provides for all possible outcomes. Then in 2007, Nobel laureate Steven Weinberg suggested that if the multiverse existed, quote, the hope of finding a rational explanation for the precise values of quark masses and the other constants of the standard model that we observe in our Big Bang is doomed, for their values would be ancient of the particular part of the multiverse in which we live, end quote. Now, around 2010, scientists such as Stephen N. Feeney analyzed the Wilkinson Microwave Anistropy Probe, or data, and claimed to find evidence suggesting that this universe collided with other universes in the past. However, a more thorough analysis of this data from the Planck satellite, which has a resolution of three times as that data, did not reveal any statistically significant evidence of such a collision. In addition, there was no evidence of any gravitational pull of any other universes on ours. However, back in 2018, legendary physicist Stephen Hawking stated that our universe may be one of many similar to our own in his final research paper. Now, his theory resolved a cosmic paradox of the late physicist's own making and also pointed out a way forward for astronomers to find evidence of existence of parallel universe. So back in the 1980s, Hawking and US physicist James Hartle developed this new idea about the beginning of the universe. Their idea re resolved a difficulty with Einstein's theory, which suggests the universe began nearly 14 billion years ago, but really never said how it began. Now, they started using a different theory called quantum mechanics to explain how the universe arose from nothingness. Now this is a very complex theory and I'm not going to go into that here, but in short, these two scientists suggested that if we could travel backwards in time towards the beginning of the universe, we would note that quite near what might otherwise have been the beginning, time gives way to space such that there is only space and no time. I know that sounds confusing, but according to them, the universe has no origin and rather it is a singularity in both space and time pre-Big Bang. However, Hawking did say, quote, the universe has not existed forever. Rather, the universe and time itself had a beginning in the Big Bang about 15 billion years ago, end quote. And again, I know that's all confusing. As such, it tied up one loose end, but then created an infinite number of them. <laughs> This led to physicists analyzing the idea that the Big Bang would create not just one universe, but an endless supply. And this theory basically stated that some of the universe would be similar to our own, but some of them would be subtly different, such as Earth where dinosaurs were not wiped out, and there would be universes unlike our own with no Earths and perhaps no stars or galaxies or even just different laws of physics. I know all of this is very out there, but the mathematical equations in this theory make such scenarios theoretically possible. The issue with it is that there are infinite 
infinite types of universes with infinite variations in their laws of physics and thus the theory cannot predict what kind of universe we would find ourselves. It essentially states that the multiverse emerged randomly and that we can't say much more than that. Now the new paper in 2018 indicates that there can only be universes that have the same laws of physics of our own. Now that conjecture means that the R universe is typical and so that any observations that we make from our viewpoint will be meaningful in developing our ideas and how other universes emerge. Now mind bending is all of these ideas and theories are. This is basically going to help physicists in the future as they develop a more complete theory of how the universe came into being. Obviously, the film here takes a lot of liberty with that and this comes, obviously comes from comic books and doesn't really take this conjecture idea into it because obviously there's a difference of physics between universes. Or maybe not, it doesn't really go into the sciences. But after all that, this film again has to deal with the rest of the films in the MCU and also what's going on in the TV shows such as Loki and WandaVision, but more so specifically on the latter. And frankly, for the most part, this film does a good job at balancing it all. It was also great to see Wanda being the villain in this story. Her arc has been one of the MCU's most tragic as she has obviously gone through a lot. Her becoming this film's antagonist was a decent closure to her prior appearances in the overall MCU. While a lot of the reason she was a strong villain was in the other films, her arc as a character was strong throughout them. However, one could make the argument that it wasn't a self-contained film, and that's a fair point. For me though, Wanda has been one of my favorite characters in the MCU since the get. She has always been one of the strongest Avengers with potentially Hulk coming after her, or at least in the comics that would be true. The MCU Hulk not so much. The debate has really been a moot one, and really has even been established before this, even though a lot of people are saying it's established in this. If you go back and watch Endgame, she legitimately would have taken out Thanos by herself if he didn't take all of his ship's guns and shoot at her. Otherwise, yeah, she would have ripped them apart. If, if Wanda from this film was fighting Thanos, Thanos is dead within minutes. Just saying. So far, Wanda Vision is my favorite MCU TV show because of how it deals with trauma. Now, it may not be the best of all of them. I personally would say Loki is the best overall show, but WandaVision is still my favorite. With seeing that some have said that Wanda's story in the film was poorly handled or that her changes her arc in WandaVision has me thinking that some honestly watched a completely different show. Because similar to the Batman, the show shows how Wanda's choice to dive and use the Darkhold is a bad case of PTSD. Now, if you have symptoms of PTSD, you may try to deal with problems in ways that cause more harm than good. And this is negative coping. Negative coping means you use quick fixes that make a situation worse in the long run. In real life, it's substance abuse, avoidance of others, being on a guard, anger and violent behavior, risky behavior and overworking. This is shown pretty much through <laughs> in this film. And additionally, when someone deals with loss, they may go through multiple feelings such as denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Now Wanda's journey in Westview was essentially done to show her denial of the real world she was living in without vision. Now in the end, there is seemingly a moment of acceptance when she realizes that she was hurting people. However, the show then shows its viewers that she's about to move into the anger and bargaining phase with her using the Darkhold to possibly get her sons back. We'll say it's a little bit messed up, but also hilarious joke that this film came out on Mother's Day weekend, but also it adds more tragedy to the film in itself. What's really great is that at this point in her story, it's not really a checkbox of dealing with trauma. It's a well-earned downfall. She lost her parents to tragedy, her brother to war, 
And then she was forced to murder the love of her life in a way that ended up being completely pointless. And then had her children ripped from her. What is great about this film is that it also shows her going through the other stage of depression and acceptance. While she may not ever be the same after all these traumatic events, she can grow from this. Now I know she pulls down all the rocks and everything on her at the end, but we never saw a body and there's a little red glow, so she's coming back. So she's coming back, obviously. And Olsen just really in real life signed a long-term deal with Disney for this role. The only thing I'll say negative about it is that they kind of changed the neck being idea of her character, which I wasn't a fan of. However, at the same time, it's possible they could be saying that the Scarlet Witch is a Nexus being and Wanda is not. I'd be fine with that explanation. For those who don't know what a Nexus being is, it's a character that is unique to the entire multiverse, such as America Chavez. And in other words, there's only one entity of this character instead of multiple like Strange, which would make sense in how this story portrays it because when you see the other Wandas, they're not Scarlet Witches, they're just Wandas, but they have the similar power. And then when you show Professor X going into Wanda's mind and seeing the Wanda side of her, they're trying to differentiate between the two characters. And I think that's very interesting and almost in a way, <laughs> funny enough, similar to a Jean Grey type of character in the Dark Phoenix. I know it's not the exact same, but it's very similar and interesting to see where they're going to take that, especially with Scarlet Witch actually being also a to the X-Men characters and mutants overall. Obviously with her father being Magneto, which Olsen has gone on record and said that she wants to have Ian McKellen come back and be her father as, as Magneto, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm all for. Not to say anything against Fastbender, he's also very great, but Sir Ian McKellen is... <laughs> just he's fantastic in the role and since we already brought back Stuart as Professor X why not bring back McKellen into this I also want to say one of my favorite Easter eggs was when Professor X rolled up it was one in a similar way to the animated series but also the score had small little snippets of it as well and I thought that was really really cool honestly I loved all the other tie-ins to other properties and everything. I thought the Easter eggs were really cool and really done well. I hope that they do continue it on past this film, and but we'll see what happens. Additionally, this film does try to show how sympathetic Wanda's character is and how that compares to Doctor Strange's character and how, honestly, what she goes through impacts Doctor Strange. Now, Strange's arc essentially comes from his inability to express himself and how to essentially talk to others. Even though he's had similar questions about his happiness, he has very little empathy toward Wanda. Now, this emotion was shown in his solo film and it was seemingly resolved, but he's still cold to others outside of his inner circle. This is why Strange does not directly relate to her struggle as much as he thinks he does and she sees right through him. And that's why, even though he knows that she's essentially under the control of the Darkhold, he doesn't really try freeing her from its grasp. Now, one of the preemptive debates about the film was from a trailer line from Wanda that You break the rules to become a hero. I do it. I become the enemy. It doesn't seem fair. And this idea is throughout the film, even in dealing with Chavez's character. Now, the one person, interestingly enough, who gets closest to killing her is actually a Doctor Strange variant. Also, Doctor Strange uses the Darkhold in the same way that Wanda does, but again, is viewed as a hero versus her who is viewed as a villain. And this is what makes her arc so strong as a character in the MCU. As a standalone, it's honestly not the best. It's still decent, but it's not as strong. And as such, if you look at it from that aspect, then Strange's arc does take precedence. We see 
see him essentially as a man who has never really lost anything that he didn't really take away from himself outside of a never before mentioned sister that is seemingly a throwaway moment in the film. He then tries to tell Wanda what is right from wrong but refuses to empathize with her because he can't display his emotions. Maybe that's why we have never really heard of his sister before. Ultimately though, he realizes that he has to express his emotions to fully realize what he has. He may not have gotten to be with Christine the love of his life, but he got so much more in return. His life is still worth it even without that small detail. And this is why the third eye comes to be in the final scene. Now, the third eye or mind's eye is this ancient concept from multiple spiritual traditions involving perception beyond what is normally experienced by the five senses. Now, there's been very many ways to interpret this from very mystical or supernatural to just enlightenment or simple mindfulness. Now, in the comics, Strange's third eye is essentially a manifestation of the eye of Agamotto, which was introduced in the MCU as a containment vessel for the Time Stone. Now, this was also alluded to in the first Doctor Strange film when the Ancient One said, You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. You've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole. And now, on hearing that it can be widened, in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Open your eyes. And then she pushes right where the eye ends up being. Now the third eye first appears in this film on the forehead of a strange variant who caused a universe ending incursion. Now while it almost may be because of Strange's use of the Darkhold, the mid credit scene seemed to indicate otherwise and it becomes a part of him, similar to how it was in the comics. And I think that his ex acceptance of his enlightenment to himself and he has finally reached that and that's him opening the eye that the ancient one was alluding to and he now obviously has seen the multiverse and has seen everything and has seen the value of the life that he is living on this earth overall i really like this film but i'm not someone who wants to say that everything is amazing as i've already gone into the film has a very strong villain but overall the story is not a standalone one would have to watch or at least have seen a good amount of the prior MCU films and honestly TV shows to fully get its story. Even so, the MCU, this is seemingly the way that they're going with that. And frankly, if, if this is where they're going with it, I'll obviously this will just be the norm and accept it because of it. But frankly, that does bring down the individual film a lot more if this is how they're going to be progressing. If they are more concentrated on the overall story versus the individual story of a film. I mean, I'm all here for it and I'll watch everyone, but to ever say masterpiece with some of these, they were gonna have to step outside of that. And maybe they will. I mean, honestly, when it comes to the direction here, it was so unique that I was able to forget all of those issues, really, and enjoy it for what it was because of everything else that was surrounded with it. The film opens up a lot for these heroes and, in some ways, villains' storylines, and it's going to be exciting to see how this film impacts the MCU as a whole. There has been some allusion online to it introducing the Secret Wars story, which I think would be very interesting to see on screen because essentially they can bring up anybody from any universe 
ever of a Marvel character, especially older characters that aren't directly part of the MCU currently and they could just bring in later on. Not really sure how, what they're gonna do. I think that would be kind of cool to see and it can just be a one-off. I will say when it comes to the multiverse story, I always find that it is a weak storytelling perspective because it's a way to connect everything without actually connecting everything. And while Marvel and Disney are doing it in a better way than most, it's still a weak storytelling. But I perhaps enjoyed watching this film on first viewing more than any of the other Phase 4 films, or at least as much as I enjoyed Shang-Chi. In the overall MCU, not including the TV shows, it is number 8 for me when it comes to the films. But including the TV shows, it is number 10. I'd say if it was more of a standalone show, it probably would have moved up a little bit, possibly to maybe six or seven but because of that it does bring it down this film stands behind Eternals, first doctor strange film shang chi civil war avengers endgame and then black panther winter soldier now the one and two of winter soldier and black panther as i've always said are basically back and forth and equal to each other which one i would prefer is the better film overall and honestly if this film was more of a standalone film it would move up up to at least number six it's very high on my list no matter how you look at it. And I think that's simply because of the direction. The direction on this film I thought was absolutely amazing. And frankly, when it comes to direction, I would say out of the top films in the MCU that I have, the best directed films are Black Panther, Eternals, and this film. All the other ones are fine. Like they don't stand out. These, those three films, I think stand out in their own respective right. And I think that's what makes them stronger because of it. And then honestly, when it comes to some of the Taika Waititi's directions, I'm not as big on it, but I get why people like it so much. I'm just not as big on it, at least in the MCU. Now this film does one thing that a lot of the MCU films don't do. And it steps away from the forced humor that really has plagued the series as of late. There are comedic moments in it, but it never takes away from an overall serious moment such as the one in Thor Ragnarok. The damage is not too bad. As long as the foundations are still strong, we can rebuild this place. Now those foundations are gone, sorry. In summary though, the film succeeds with its direction, its acting, its themes, and its ending, but it struggles with its details, such as the writing. My rating would be a 4 out of 5. It's really good, but it doesn't stand alone. Now, what did you think of it, and where does it stand in your overall ranking in the MCU? Let me know. Hit me up on social media. The formal reviews on Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram, and also YouTube. The handle's all the same. It's at the formal review. And for anyone who has supported me on a financial basis, I thank you very much for supporting me in that way. For anyone who wants to support, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash the formal review. Click support this podcast, and any donation is appreciated. Thank you all again for tuning in. And until next time, if you're able to get vaccinated and i'll see you at the movies thanks for tuning in to another episode of the formal review cheers and we'll see you next time